0: is
1: real there's power in your name we find hope and we trust in your ways we need real. Jesus is
0: real Escalation is the default condition of fallen humanity and so in a world where persecution happens like well if persecution happens then we gotta get him. No, because Jesus says that we should be gentle. Now, what's beautiful about gentle is the word "gentleness" is the same word as meekness, which literally means strength under control. It is the ability to embrace somebody where they are without being aggressive towards them.
1: Default human nature says to retaliate. You see it everywhere. Eye for an eye, battle for battle, everyone wanting revenge, or simply justice for the wrongs committed. Today, Pastor Daniel will share that Jesus has a different response, gentleness. When you find that you're being persecuted for Jesus' sake, you may want to get revenge, but that's not what a follower of Christ does. You instead get to display Jesus by responding as he would. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 5, as he continues his message, The Beauty of Gentleness. Jesus said-
0: Jesus is saying to you and to me, brother, sister, the way you're living is too safe. The choices you're making in order to make sure that everything works out for you sometimes makes you live in a way that is antithetical to the gospel. That's why I love Jesus so much because you have to ask yourself, in what ways am I cutting corners so that I don't have to suffer any of the struggles that comes from living for God in a world that doesn't. Listen to the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 13 to 17. And who is he who will harm you if you become a follower of what is good? What a great question, right? Who's going to hurt you if you follow what's good? And then he says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So you hear what he's saying? See, Peter's saying, look, if you follow what's good, no harm should come to you. But if harm does come, at least let it come to you because you know you're living the right way. And not because you're living the wrong way. So for you and I. You realize that the beautiful life. That is here for us in Christ. It will sometimes put us in conflict. In the world in which we live. And our job is not to diminish our witness. But to simply realize that like Jesus. We are blessed. We are favored and fortunate. When the world in which we live doesn't accept the faith that we hold. Now, think about the flow of the Beatitudes now, right? It begins with spiritual bankruptcy. It begins with this poverty of spirit, right? And then it moves to mourning. Because you have a soft heart, this, my spiritual bankruptcy now leads my heart to break for not only me, for the world. And I land on meekness, right? I land on this, I'm, devo- I'm over myself. Meekness, Right? And when you get to the end of yourself, then you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it says that you'll be satisfied. And then from being satisfied by God, then you become a person who's merciful because you realize that you've received mercy, right? And God is doing a purifying work in your heart. And because of the purifying work that God is doing in your heart, you become a peacemaker. Which is all good until the fact that even when you want to be a peacemaker, you can't make peace with someone who doesn't want to be at peace with you. And then you land on, sometimes you get persecuted for righteousness sake. It's kind of sobering, isn't it? I mean, it's not something we like to talk about, especially, I mean, we live in a culture that is driven by comfort. If it makes me uncomfortable, I don't do it. But when you realize that there are brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world right now who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. It makes all the petty things that we complain about kind of seem real small, doesn't it? You know, it, it was funny. I was talking to someone, you know, just earlier, and they were just like, man, you know, like when you think about how hard it can be to be a follower of Jesus for some people, it really makes you get over all the petty things you complain about. Some people are like, I can't believe I have to go to church at 8 o'clock. I love 9 o'clock. Right? I can't believe I have to go to the 12 o'clock. The 11 o'clock was so sweet. I can't believe they make me park my car across the way and bust me in because we have space prompts at crossroads. I can't believe the music is too loud or soft, too contemporary, not contemporary enough. I can't believe they... Put reclaimed barnwood on the kiosks. <laughs> <sighs> Comfortable problems, my friends. We need to keep life in perspective. Like right now, we can gather together, you can invite your friends, no problems. But it's not true for everybody. And Lord willing, it will always be this comfortable for us. But you know what the problem when something's comfortable? We get a little lazy, don't we? When it always comes so easy, right? You take it all for granted. But you look at the early church with all the suffering that they endured and they would say that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Because when it costs you something, it changes the way you live. Because you're like... I really have to be here no matter what. Now, I'm not naive enough to want to glamorize persecution. I've never experienced it. Not in a life or death way. But the thing is, is that the Bible says, and this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That shall is a rough word. It will happen. Now here's a question for you. Are you willing to follow Jesus even if people get upset with you? Are you willing? And to me, that is the big question that separates the wheat from the chaff, the wheat from the tares. That's the question that separates the way that you choose to live your life and what drives your life. Now... It's interesting. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you have to realize that the kingdom of God is unacceptable to many, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you have to realize that not everybody is interested in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Now, the idea of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, it's the place where God reigns. Now, I would say that we live in a day and age where the the overarching kingdom is the kingdom of self, right? They call it the me generation. They talk about the narcissism or the entitlement. The orientation of our culture is to, it's about me and what I want, right? And it's really, it is fascinating though, because if you look at America historically, Right. There was a time, especially what we call the great generation because of the wars that they fought, that there was a much greater sense of community or a nationalism. Right. And now as that is moved and and listen, each way has its own strengths and weaknesses. But now we live in the selfie generation. Now, I'm not knocking the kids because you older folks take as many selfies as the kids do. We know it's true. Right. We see your Instagram feeds, too. You know. So it's like, we live in a day where now it's about the self. And here's the thing. The kingdom of God is the place where God reigns. And there can only be one kingdom reigning in the heart at any one given time. So when Jesus, in that classic model prayer that we call the Our Father prayer, when he says, Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we're asking for God's kingdom to come, we're also saying that our own kingdom has to leave. You can't have two kingdoms at the same time. There's always conflict in the midst of two kingdoms. And if you are on the throne of your life, then Jesus definitely is not. See, you have to allow Jesus to take that central place in your life. And For the people of God, the kingdom of God is where God reigns, which is in our hearts. But that kingdom is not acceptable to many people. And that's why persecution happens. There are times when the kingdom of God is sought to be forcibly removed from the world. And if you've ever read the history of the church, this is very, very unfortunately common in the history of the church in the early Church, obviously, first they were persecuted by the Jewish people who didn't believe that Jesus was Messiah, and then they were persecuted by Rome. You can read that in the book of Acts and that first set of generations. Then, of course, when Christianity became the religion of the Roman Empire in the early fourth century, then all of a sudden there was a period of relative peace until a group of people began to pull away from the state-sponsored church because of its corruption, and they began to go out to the wilderness. They call them the Desert Fathers, and guess what? There was persecution against those people, right? See, and what you find is that even in the history of the church, there is always people who pull away because they say, this is a problem. They pull away, and then they're attacked for all different reasons. So sometimes the attacks come with from within. Sometimes they come from the outside. Like when China forcibly tried to remove Christianity in the great purging. Now, what's amazing is, is right now in the world, the church in China is the single largest church in the world. It's amazing. But the Chinese government forcibly sought to suppress Christianity. Right now, across the Middle East, Southeast Asia, in Asia, Christianity is being forcibly oppressed because the kingdom of God is unacceptable to many. But Jesus told us it would be the case. Listen to John 15, verses 17 to 21. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. Wow. I mean, you see the, the juxtaposition. See, this is why our culture needs to hear the teachings of Jesus. He's like, look, love one another. But guess what? Even as you love one another, there will be people are going to hate you. And isn't that the realism of the Bible? You get to think, I'm going to love everybody. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to love people That upward, inward, and outward framework from the greatest commandment. And everyone's going to think I'm great. And then Jesus is like, yeah, love one another, and they're going to hate you because they hated me too. And listen, you know what you have to realize, my friends? Your job and my job is to simply respond to Jesus and only live how he wants us to. And everyone is going to feel how they feel about what you do. And that's not your problem. Your problem is not to try and make everybody happy. In some ways, a lot of people think of life the way you would think of maybe one of these talent shows on TV. The Voice, American Idol, America's Got Talent, Kids Got Talent, right? Right? Somebody goes up there, and they do their thing, and then a bunch of people tell them if it was good or not. And I always love the people who, when the judges say, you're no good, they're like, well, what do you know? You know? You know why they're my favorite people? Because they're not doing it for the judge. I mean, some of them are just doing it just to, to get, go viral on YouTube, and that's kind of sad, but that's a different discussion. You know what I mean? It's like, but the people who do it not for the judges, but because they want to do it, to me, that's the most beautiful thing. Because in a lot of ways, that's the way we need to live our lives. You say, God, I want you to be praised. I want you, your pleasure in my life. I want you to have joy in who I am. And Lord, whatever everyone says, all the peanut gallery who says this about this and this about this, that's not my problem, Lord. Because all I care about is your kingdom touching down in my life. And I think that for a lot of us, we've lost that. We're so busy trying to make everyone happy, trying to make the kids happy, trying to make the parents happy, trying to make this person happy. Too many pastors spend their whole lives trying to make their congregations happy and they wonder why the church is dying. Because nothing good ever happened when everyone had to agree by committee. You realize that, right? The children of Israel by committee got the golden calf. Was that good? No, it was bad. See, we have to start to live upward and letting upward drive everything. But for many of us, we're living outward and we're trying to let the outward drive our relationship with God. It never works. You have to come to terms with the fact that if you're a follower of Jesus, not everyone's going to like that. And listen, what we have now is we have a culturally acceptable pop Christianity that's becoming very popular. Where pastors go on major news networks and they say exactly what they're supposed to say. You know why? Because they're not willing to be the blessed ones who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Because they're trying to accommodate a kingdom where the kingdom of God is unacceptable. And you know what the thing is though? If the kingdom of God is unacceptable to those and you line up with the kingdom of the world, then guess what? You're not part of the kingdom of God. Our job is to be in the world and to be salt and light in the midst of it. Jesus said it this way, Luke ten sixteen: He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So now here's the thing. Now you guys are going to love this. I love this stuff. So we realize that persecution at times will happen because God's kingdom is not acceptable to Everyone. But here's the thing, and this is what makes Christianity so distinct. How should you and I respond to persecution? You got to love this. The fruit of the spirit today is what? Gentleness. Gentleness. Brothers and sisters, always be gentle. And this is where Christianity is, to me, I love this stuff. Because it's like, our world says, if they persecute you, if they slap you on the right cheek, you slap them back. You know, it's like the laws of escalation. The proportion response, right? You do this, I'll do that. It's always like, you know, you cut off my hand, I'll cut off your head, right? And that's why, you know, you always say, like, the laws of justice, an eye for an eye. I always see the bumper sticker. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Every time I see that bumper sticker, I always want to see the person with that on their car. Someone say, you realize you don't understand what that means, right? The reason it says an eye for an eye is because human nature always escalates, So it's not saying when you take an eye, when your eyes you should take their eye. It's saying that don't escalate it worse because isn't that what happens? Like, you know, your spouse says something that you don't like, right? And then before you know it, you told them everything that you didn't like for the last three years. And then they tell you everything that they haven't liked for your whole experience together. And then by the end of it, you hate each other, but yet you've been married for all these years. Are you really quite like each other? But what happens in an argument, escalation is the default condition of fallen humanity. And so in a world where persecution happens, like, well, if persecution happens, then we got to get them. No, because Jesus says that we should be gentle. Now, what's beautiful about gentle is the word "gentleness" is the same word as meekness, which literally means strength under control. It is the ability to embrace somebody where they are, without being aggressive towards them. So the idea here now is it's the ability to be submissive to God and also to bless somebody else even because they might be aggressive towards you. See, gentleness comes from the fact that people are fragile. Can we just get this out there right now? Everybody is fragile. The toughest nut is still fragile. And because people are fragile, we need to handle them in the ways that we speak, in the way that we act, that acknowledges their fragility and seeks to encourage and bless them. So in the face of persecution, we shouldn't be angry and meeting aggression with aggression, but we should bring blessings in the face of cursings. We should bring help in the face of issues. See, when somebody attacks you, Don't attack them back. Be gentle. Because here's the thing. When we meet aggression with aggression, we only get more aggression. But when we meet aggression with gentleness, it's hard to have a one-sided argument, isn't it? It's hard to have a fight when there's only one party. Because at some point you ask yourself, why? See, in some ways, this is the brilliance of the way Martin Luther King was used in the civil rights movement. See, really what you have in the civil rights movement, how do we deal with systemic oppression? And there was really two main sides of it. There was the Malcolm X side and there was the Martin Luther King side. Malcolm X side says, we're going to meet aggression with aggression. And Martin Luther King Jr. said, we're going to meet aggression with peacefulness, with gentleness. How many of you ever read letters from a Birmingham jail by Martin Luther King Jr.? So can I just tell you, all of you need to read that. Go home and read it. You know what's amazing? Martin Luther King Jr. is writing to other clergymen from jail, and he's trying to explain to them, like, I don't understand why you're not here right now. Right? And really what he does, you want to read a great explanation of how the good news of Jesus is meant to bear on a culture? You should read that letter. It's amazing when you read it. Because really what he's saying is, he's saying, this is how we're dealing with injustice. And really what he's doing is he's pulling it right out of the Beatitudes. Saying, this is what Jesus said. This is what it means. And really what you realize is that ultimately, unless you live up into the higher ideals, you'll always be swimming in the sewer. And when you meet aggression with aggression, you're not part of the solution. You're part of the problem. Listen to what is the prophecy of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 42 verses 1 to 4 says it this way. Behold my servant whom I uphold. My elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice. Nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Now listen to this. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. See, you read what it says about Jesus here? It says, listen, he's not going to be loud screaming in the streets. And he's like, when he finds a bruised reed, a reed was a, you know, like a plant, a marshy plant, right? Where it's like, when a marshy plant, when it's wilting, he's not going to break it off. When he finds a smoldering or smoking flax, the idea of a fire that's almost out, just doesn't snuff it out. He comes and he blows gently on it to flan those flames. See, Jesus' is textbook gentleness, when they arrested Jesus like a sheep led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. They were shocked that Jesus didn't state his case. If there was ever a person in the history of humanity who could have laid out everything that everyone in the room ever did and have it right on, it was Jesus of Nazareth. And he did not choose to defend himself. Why? Because he knew, he knew that there was a bigger thing at play. He knew it.
1: Jesus is... Jesus knew that something bigger was happening. He knew that God had kingdom plans that didn't involve him defending himself against his accusers. Jesus was always gentle and humble when he faced persecution, not angry and vengeful. Today, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to model your responses to persecution after your saviors. Instead of lashing out, come to those who accuse you with gentleness. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the Stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will tell you the final beatitude and fruit of the Spirit. And it's about to get personal. Jesus has so far shared the attributes of his followers in general terms, citing everyone as a group. Now, though, he's going to focus on the response you need to have when people speak out against you because of him. What's his solution? Rejoice and be glad. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Beautiful. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.